We are in part five of our sermon series on what God desires for women. I believe this is the last one in the sermon series, right? The second last one, second last one, the penultimate one. So without further <laughs> ado, Lori. excited i'm going to oh my phone is going on i'm going to set the timer for 15 minutes okay i'm so excited i'm Lori, and i'm one of the pastors here and as part of our um do you see her series we're going to have a panel of men and we're just gonna have a four, 15 minute conversation on like convert you know like how men can come alongside women and and how we can see them so i thank you so much for stan and Tim and Kanan, they're representing three generations of Westlight to share with us. They're so brave. Thank you so much. Um, so let's just get into it. What has been your big takeaway for the past, you know, throughout this series? Okay, so um, I had it in some notes here. So my big takeaway is uh, from uh, Lori's first sermon is the woman who was misjudged by the followers of Jesus when, um, you know, when she was doing with the hair and the perfume. Um, so I felt that there was no worthy because I felt everyone there should have known that they are sinful. Everyone is, you know, no one is without sin. And I felt that it was odd that they saw her as beyond saving. And I felt that it was um, the nature of her sin and her being a woman and that they made it seem like she was beyond saving, and I felt that it was especially um, like discrediting to her. Mm -hmm. Another um, takeaway is the passages that Cots brought up, and it's that they mostly are meant to give women um, power and purpose, yet they were, I would say, twisted and misrepresented to do exactly the opposite. And I felt that that was a way to keep the men who are in power um, from losing their spot, so to speak. Lastly, um, Jordan's uh, message really resonated with me as you know, a man with, um, with women in my life, two sisters, um, that it's, it's hard, that it's not like your place to save people and that teaching them to defend themselves isn't really the solution to the problem. It's like a Band-Aid and it's not really solving the root of the issue. And um, that's something that I feel like I have to impart on myself a lot more going forward. Um, and uh, that's it. Yeah. Thanks, Kanan. Um, you know, Kanan eloquently summed up these messages. And I think for me, the takeaway was Sometimes when I hear messages and I understand it intellectually or with an understanding that I think I've got it and it creates a pivot point for me and I do everything based around that understanding rather than really allowing other uh, voices when I bring up these subjects to kind of uh, shape that pivot or maybe change that pivot a little bit. 
So for me, the big takeaway was uh, I don't know everything. And I should know this because when I was a teenager, I thought I knew everything. In, in fact, I thought I knew more than everything. And so what happened was uh, through a series of life experiences, I started to see I didn't know everything. But then in terms of relationship, I thought I knew everything. And then I got married. <laughs> and when, when I got married, that relationship was different uh, because uh, Sandy looks like a quiet person, but she's very strong. And uh, I may look strong, but I'm pretty weak in, in, in her, with her. And so what happened was we were blessed with two daughters. And my daughters are wonderful people, but they're very different. And that was also something I needed to learn. And so my pivot points were always changing, and I needed to uh, allow what I knew to be incorporated into this new information. So it basically came down to allowing women to be able to uh, express where they are, and not for me, kind of like what Kenyon was saying, not for me to assume I know where, where they are, and I assume I know everything that they're going to say, but really listen and, and be present. I think for me, um, well, first I just want to thank Jordan and pastors Lori and Cots and Ronnie for sharing. I think this is a much needed sermon series that's very unique. Um, the big takeaway for me is when Pastor Cots he spoke and he used the word Ezer in Genesis to describe the woman or Eve. And that word translates to helper. And he said that Ezra not only um, was used for helper or Eve, but is also later used in the Bible to describe God. And that really uh, was jarring for me, which was very curious, and I had to reflect and stop and say, why, why did that take me back um, and was so jarring to me? And thinking about my own understanding of who God is, it's, it's a very male understanding of my conceptualization of God. Um, I think about Jesus, and he's sort of the epitome of who a man should be. And then there's a father, God, right, who's supposed to be this super Jesus, uh, this almost like this Herculean Zeus type of a strong figure from above. And that's the God who I really grew up to understand. Um, and that's my conceptualization of God. And even in my pronoun use, like in my prayer, I always say he. I don't use any other pronouns. And I was just texting a a friend earlier this week who had jaw surgery, and I said, praying for um, healing, that he would give you, he would see you through. And of course, I added the capital H for the honorific, um, you know, symbol. But I never use anything else to describe God than uh, male pronouns. We just sang a song, Good, Good Father. We, would we ever sing, you are a good, good mother, you see who we are? You know, it's... We even say, Dear Heavenly Father. I never heard anybody say, Dear Heavenly Mother. And so I wonder how that conceptualization would not only change my own practices, my own engagement um, in the word and prayer and worship, I wonder how it would change it on a broader level um, in terms of how we as a church and as Westlight uh, engage in community um, and things of that nature. It's good. It's like the shack. Or, I don't know. That's an old movie, but that, that God was the God figure, right? Was a woman. It was uh, Octavia Spencer. 
<laughs> you didn't say that one. <laughs> okay, but what, so Tim, what, if you can continue, like what, what do you think God is inviting you to? I guess um, just to follow the train of thought, how can I be more aware of the more feminine aspects of who God is and to change my, I guess, pronoun use? Uh, when I, I don't think God is either female or male, and maybe he's both. I think it's a human ascription that we ascribe to him. I think God is just God, and God is spirit. But I think for me, the work involves understanding and seeing God more through a female lens or ascribing such stereotypical female traits to, to God. Okay, thanks. Okay. Um, so I think the big thing that God is calling me to do is to um, be a better listener and to listen with more, I'd say, open ears. So um, like personally, like I like I know that I'm not out here like hurting people. Right. But I would have a problem of taking personal offense when women would talk about like how dangerous men can be and these things like that. And I felt like that would close my ears off and make me not receptive to learning more about the problems because I'm kind of like what Stan said, like maybe I thought like I knew everything and um, I think I need to just be more receptive and to listen more openly, even though I do know some things that doesn't give me the right to stop learning about these issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, Tim's point about uh, how we oftentimes use male uh, pronouns and things, I think we need to, to uh, go back to kind of what Canaan was saying, to relearn maybe that uh, God actually describes himself as uh, taking on human form or a form like a man, uh, which does not mean that he didn't have uh, feminine qualities or characteristics. It, it is, uh, so I, I believe that uh, one of the things God is inviting me to is to keep progressing and not settle for what I know. And uh, there's a passage in Philippians that Paul writes, and in the voice, it reads as follows, and it sums up for me the desire of my heart. Uh, and sometimes my heart and my head don't match up, but uh, I believe in the end, uh, I want to live out of my heart and not my head, and that it will. Uh, that's what God's spirit does. And his spirit is neither male or female, okay? So, Philippians 3, 12 to 16 says this. I'm not there yet, nor have I become perfect. But I am charging on to gain anything and everything the anointed one, Jesus, has in store for me. And nothing will stand in my way because he has grabbed me and won't let me go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I have not arrived, but there's one thing I am doing. I'm leaving my old life behind, putting everything on the line for this mission. I'm sprinting toward the only goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, and to hear God's call to resurrection life found exclusively in Jesus the Anointed. All of us who are mature ought to think the same way about these matters. If you have a different attitude, then God will reveal this to you as well. For now, let's hold on to what we have sh been shown and keep in step with those teachings. 
Thanks, you guys. Like, um, just uh, what I've noticed is the different conversations that maybe you have with your family or with one another, and I love that what you're saying, like all of you, that it's a it's progression. More that's more important than perfection, and that you know the pivot points and like trying to understand things that you you don't know because we don't know what we don't know, right? And then the I like what you talk, talk, talked about the defensiveness. Like it's easy to get defensive. Like I'm not like that, or you know that's not me. But then to 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 be aware of that, and then to say no, I'm going to sit and listen and be with you, um, is really important. And and all of these conversations are important. So thank you for having this conversation and the conversations that you had with others. And and we hope that we can continue having these conversations. You know, not just women or not just men, but even together. Um, that's really so important. So, with that, let me close with the word of prayer. Gracious God, we um, yeah we long for the day when women are seen and valued for who you created us to be. But because when when everyone is seen and valued for who they are, and we work together being who we are, we experience heaven on earth. And this is the life and the love and the hope that you give. And for this, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.